The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hey, it's Enrico Palazzo! Yeah. How about that? You should have been pulled in the forefront they have faith in you. You should have been pulled in the fifth that they had faith in you. And you it's time for another edition of the Hey Tomiko Palazzo Baseball Podcast. It's episode 40, the Wilson Contreras edition. On today's show, your host, Christopher Deary and Michael Govier, bring you their old pals, the Cup of Cubby Blue Gals from the podcast and website of the same name. They're going to talk about the Cubs and the off-season outlook, which the owners are certain to screw everybody on. Don't forget to go to cupofcubbyblue.com to find out more about their podcast and other wonderful offerings. Take it away, everybody! The man to find a once and only one. All right, you're listening live to the Blazo Podcast. Welcome in. Uh, it's episode 40, I believe. I actually just guessed. I didn't check our, uh, our list. Why not? It's a new episode. We're live. I'm here with uh, my co-host, Christopher Deary. Chris, how's it going? Things are going well. Things 24 hours great. ago, things were not going so well, but uh, oh. things are going well. I'm having a oh. celebratory uh, cocktail here. Fantastic. Okay, well, we'll like to hear more about that. But I got to introduce our guests. They're back for more. It wasn't enough to have them on just preseason. Now we got to talk postseason. Who goes first? We'll do alphabetical order. Andy Cruz Vanasek is here. <laughs> Andy, how are you? Welcome to the show. I'm fantastic. Thank you so much for having me on. Well, it's always a pleasure to have you two aboard as we talk a little bit of baseball and Sarah Sanchez, your partner on the show, Cup of Cubby Blue, which you can find on Twitter. And you can find it on all platforms where people listen to podcasts. Sarah, you decided to wear glasses for this show. How do you feel about it? <laughs> Whatever. It's fine. They're, I'm supposed to wear them because they're like blue light and we live in a Zoom world now. And so I'm always on the computer so I get headaches. But oh, yeah, I think, I think they're OK. Really? There's like a benefit for the blue light. I didn't know that. I wear them a lot, but I wasn't on my computer a lot today. I want to say, because Sarah's not giving herself enough credit, Sarah, you look amazing in the glasses. You need to change your profile picture and put some some glasses on Twitter. Like, love them. Stop. I just sent you a text message that says you look fire. So, yeah. You look fire. You're so cute. You know what I said pre-show before we start taping? I love a lady in glasses. I think glasses are... I'm just a glasses guy. What can I say? I don't want to wear glasses. You're going to make me get up and go great. get mine. <laughs> go get them, Andy. Do it. Don't be shy. Don't be no. shy. Chris, uh, Chris doesn't wear glasses. so I'm a contacts guy since fourth grade. Oh, there wow. you go. Okay. Well, you're listening to the Plaza Podcast. We're live with a cup of cubby blue ladies, and we're going to talk about the Cubs. Uh, things didn't quite work out 
how they had hoped, and we'll discuss some of these feelings. Uh, you can catch their podcast, like I said, on all major podcast platforms, Cuppa Cubby Blue. I always want to put a cup of cuppa. I don't know why I do that. I want to put an extra cuppa every time I bring up the podcast name, but it's just Cuppa Cubby Blue. Very simple. And you guys explained why you named the show the way you did on the last time when you guys were here for episode 23. This is 40, so we have all grown as people, and we're going to talk about that. Chris, though, I want to hear about you. Uh, why are you celebrating? Uh, things go bad for you recently, or no? I'm just in. I'm just in better shape than I was last night. Let's put it that way. That is very vague. Okay, fine. Hey, <laughs> if, if you want more vague descriptions of people's lives, email the show Plaza Podcast at protonmail.com. Plaza Podcast two L's two Z's on Twitter. Uh, I think we're on Instagram. We never use it. Do you guys? Oh, I want to ask you this. You guys have your own show. Do you make an effort to use all your social medias, or because I feel like we just kind of end up using Twitter a lot. I'm curious. Our show is mostly on Twitter. I we could Instagram it, I suppose, if we wanted to, but it's a it's an audio experience. So you know, there's there's not a lot of pictures, particularly this season when fans couldn't even go to baseball parks. So we're I I don't know what I was supposed to post pictures of empty Wrigley Field. <laughs> or the the made up. Remember the digitized fans when the Cubs played the Brewers that weekend on Fox. That was like the first weekend of National Baseball. Remember that? That was a horror show. And I wrote about it. I, there's an episode. There is like a, a article somewhere on Bleed Cubby Blue about me talking about how digital fans should never happen. It's the worst idea. Ever. It's super disconcerting. Like they would hit the ball and there would be no fans. And then all of a sudden, like the computer would throw some fans in and then you'd lose the ball. So you couldn't see the play anyway. And I was like, this is the dumbest idea anyone's ever had. Do you know what it reminded me of? And you guys might not be old enough to remember this, but do you remember the Nintendo game RBI Baseball? Oh, we're it, old enough. Don't worry. Of course. It, totally, it totally reminded me of that video game RBI Baseball with those, like, you know, how the, your outfielder would run and, like, end up, like, in center field bleachers to catch a ball type deal. That's hmm. totally what it reminded me of. I'm like, this is not okay. Please stop this immediately. It was bogus. Yeah, of course we remember <laughs> RBI baseball. I think uh, three was my personal favorite. But yeah, that the fan thing, come on. You're trying to like make people feel like they're watching a game. We already know we're watching a baseball game, right? Do we need to have this fake digitized fan situation for the people at home? <laughs> I don't think so. Because then it depended on what camera angle you were what you were seeing the game too, right? Because if it was behind the plate, they weren't there anymore. Or was it like third base? It was weird. It was very strange. And I agree with you guys. No more of that. Let's not have that. And that actually is weird, weird situation that I'm going to talk about later when we talk about COVID. But yes, Sarah, you want to tell me something about that? Oh, I was just going to say it was it was bizarre and I was not here for it. And the fact that Matt Discursion tried to keep making like the fake fans happen. He's like, look at our cool fan crowd thing. I was like, stop, just stop. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that was that was really bogus. So please, please follow the show. Bleed Cubby Blue at Bleed Cubby Blue. That's C U B B I E Blue. And uh, it's part of the SB Nation world. So please follow the show and you can go to their website, bleedcubbyblue.com for more. Okay. It's been a while since you guys have been on the show. When we talked, it was preseason baseball. We didn't think we'd have a season. And we actually didn't know for sure when we talked. We did a projection of 50 games when we talked about, hey, what'll happen with the Cubs and stuff. But now that the season's over, I want to just get your kind of thought, not necessarily about the Cubs yet. Just tell me, how did you, how did you view the season? Uh, did you enjoy the season overall? Not just as a Cubs fan, but just like baseball with the COVID and all the weird stuff that was going on. And 
Andy, I'll go Andy, first. Yes, yeah. Yeah, anybody, Andy doesn't want to talk. You see her face up there? She's like, oh, I'm not going to talk about this. No, because I'm, I'm trying to think of all the things that like I want to answer this question with because there was there was a lot of cool things that happened. You know, I remember us briefly talking about some of the rule changes that went into effect that we were like so adamantly against that didn't actually end up mattering as much or we didn't end up feeling as strongly about uh, you think about the things that the Padres were doing with all their grand slams. I mean, um, the, it, it's, it was a crazy season all the way around. And as a baseball fan, not even necessarily a Chicago Cubs fan, but as a baseball fan, it was just very interesting to see how teams were handling it, to see everybody play within their division, whether it's National American League. That was kind of cool because we got to know some of the other um, Central League teams central division teams in, in the American league um, that I typically wouldn't watch or even care to watch. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was very, it was a very different season. It definitely presented a lot of different, interesting kind of nuances that we got to absorb, but in the same breath, it was enough. Like I just want my baseball back the way that it should be next year. This was fine. It was, I guess, an experiment to just get a season in whatever the Dodgers won the world series. Bleh. I mean, like <laughs> moving on, like, oh, come you know, on, come on. No. They deserved one. They deserved one. They got Are ripped off. Serious? No. I'm not a Dodgers fan, but they got ripped <laughs> off. They got cheated. They got cheated out of one of those. Listen, I am not, yeah, no, I, I just, I can't. Dodgers are like right there in the same vicinity with the St. Louis Cardinals for me. So Ooh. we're going to, I'm just going to say the season is over, moving on 2021, figure out a way to get me in a stadium safely by like May. Wow. Well, good luck okay. with that. All right, Sarah, come on, break it down for us. Give us your thoughts. <laughs> so the weird thing Do you about hate the Dodgers baseball, too? <laughs> I, I don't hate the Dodgers. Um, I don't love the Dodgers. I was on a different podcast a while back and somebody asked me how I would feel about the Dodgers and the, in the postseason. And I think I said, I, my exact quote was that the Dodgers are soft, that they're just not a real championship caliber team. They like, I, I get it. They just beat the Rays. Like, okay. The Rays couldn't hit either. The, the Rays were the only team in the postseason that hit worse than the Cubs. Um, the Dodgers are like, whatever. They've got the greatest pitcher of our generation and he blows up routinely in October and you've got, like Mookie Betts makes that team a hundred percent more likable, but the team wasn't likable before. And I assume we'll talk about Justin Turner later, which I already ranted about on Bleed Cubby Blue last week. So no, baseball this season was like, I'm glad it happened. It gave me some much needed three hour mental breaks from this dystopic nightmare that we're all living in in pandemic land. And that was super helpful. And I didn't actually even realize how helpful that was until it was gone. And then I was like, oh, yeah, we're back to like watching the news and just, you know, tracing our 500 steps to whatever it is that we can do in a mask and fighting our time for a vaccine. Like I baseball was helpful to break all of that up. And I'm glad it happened. And like Andy, I hope they figure out some way to make it substantially more back to normal, even if I have to get my temperature checked, even if I have to wear a mask, even if we're in like little groups of four, like they were at Globe Life Park, whatever, like I'm here for it. And I want to be back at Wrigley. Well, it sounds like both of you are a little more optimistic about next spring. And uh, Mike and I talked about this on the pod last week. We're not optimistic about uh, things going back to normal next spring. I'm not trying to be a buzzkill. I am not. I want that to be clear. I don't think it'll be normal. 
I think there will be accommodations made where people can actually get into the ballpark. I sure hope so. Yeah, I mean, I could definitely see like a situation because um, they have recently started to um, like my kids are back playing sports at a very limited capacity in a very protected environment, which as long as they're safe and my kid feels comfortable and I'm comfortable with what they're doing, I'm, I'm all for it. They just now have, are starting to let spectators in, but literally it's one parent per player. And you have to sit six feet and you wear a mask. You get your temperature checked when you walk in. Stuff like that. Like my husband and I literally take turns going to watch because, you know, we're just not going to push it. And I'm not a rule breaker. And in the area where she plays, the people are, it's a very red area. So people don't like to wear masks. So we have to protect ourselves because nobody else is protecting us out there. Classic. I love that yeah, code, so, a red area. <laughs> you know what I mean. Red alert, red I alert, know. red alert. You saw it. Listen, you saw the election. I know, <laughs> you know what state I, know. I live in. Something um, happened. I, I didn't pay attention the last 24 hours. That's yeah, funny. That's very funny. But, uh, Chris but, works so, with kids, so he understands. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I, I run youth sports programs, and we have brought stuff back in the last two weeks at a very, very limited rate, pretty much. Masks, temperature guess, checks, only a couple parents are allowed in. I guess let me put it this way. Chicago is one of the more cautious places in the country right now in terms of rules, restrictions, what's open, what's closed, bars being closed, all of that type of stuff. They've got gyms open right now in super limited capacity as they're trying to navigate this whole thing. If you're going to open gyms in limited capacity, I guarantee that Lori Lightfoot doesn't have another season of sports where she can close the whole thing down. She like no no politician has the political capital to pull that off two seasons in a row. And I actually think, and, and I hate, I hope that this doesn't like break up something that you plan to get to later, but we're about to see an off season where no free agent is going to get a big contract because every team is going to be like, we just lost $180 million. We just lost a billion dollars. Like why, why do you think we can possibly sustain a deal for you, Trevor Bauer? And so I just don't see how any city closes all sports down like that again. And frankly, I don't think that they need to. I think that the limited capacity stuff with temperature checks and mask wearing is probably good as good as it's going to get for a while. I don't think there's going to be 40,000 people at Wrigley Field next year, but I think there might be 10. It's still double what Detroit's going to get. So, Fingers crossed. Andy's crossing your fingers. I'll tell you this. I would love to see that happen. And I would like to kind of add on to what you're talking about. We can talk about it now. The off season is going to be a very, very, very strange time. It was already been strange the last couple of years. It's going to get even worse. Like for every reason that you just described, sir. And my concern that we talked about on the pod last week is that narrative, uh, whatever you want to say, you know, when did narrative become the word? It just became the word that we all use. Well, anyway, the story, the, the company line, let's go old school. I'm going to say the company line of owners is that, Hey, we're broke. Okay. And we're losing money. Even though, as I've said 10,000 times before, you have a billion dollar asset you could loan against. You could hit, you could have unlimited credit forever. It's, it's worth a billion dollars minimum, right? Some are worth multi-billion dollars. So the fact that you can't afford is not really true, but it doesn't matter if it's true or not, right? What does matter is that they will say, hey, we don't have any money. We can't pay free agents. And we want to limit the season because we won't be able, if 
things don't go the way that you just described about fans. If it doesn't go that way, then they're not going to want to play as many games because they're going to lose money. They won't have the ticket sales, right? So that's my concern related to that era area. Feel free to say anything. <laughs> are you guys, uh, is that paranoid? Am I crazy? I'm like, am I being too cautious? Or, I mean, we know all the owners are. I, okay. So my issue is like, yes, I get it. There, I think my big thing is without any sort of promised income, like right now, you're, you're looking at empty stadiums at playoffs. Obviously, they found a way to make it happen, but that was only a select group of teams that had any kind of income from that. So thinking about the masses, thinking about every team trying to put together some sort of system where they can put spectators in ballparks starting the season I mean that seems like a long shot when you have all the other things happening right now you have still states Missouri where the numbers are still through the roof and you know the 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 city of St. Louis is talking about closing us back down again because we can't get our crap under control um so in 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 all of that you want to start to to you know devise a plan where you can put spectators in bush stadium i just don't think it's feasible so yeah it's hard to imagine spending the kind of money some of these free agents are going to want when you don't even know if you're going to have ticket sales next year you don't know what kind of ticket sales you're going to have you don't know what you're going to spend to put people in the in the stands because it will you will it will take money. You got people standing at the gates checking temperatures. You have all kinds of PPE you have to have for everybody. I mean, it's crazy. You know, I mean, there's just so many things to 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 you know put in the equation to make sure that you can either have people safely watching baseball or to make sure you can have any kind of income to afford the people that are out there that are free agents that you want to play baseball for your team to bring the people into the stands i mean it's just it's it's a crazy situation that's a good point i mean how rushed are people going to feel to get back to the stadium knowing that so many people lost wages so many people don't have jobs so many people aren't making what they were making a year year and a half two years ago that is there the demand in certain cities. I mean, Chicago, I think, might be a little different because there's such a, a rabid fan base. But, we, you know, look at a, a city like Detroit where we don't get many fans anyways. And there's really no direction of this team that, I mean, how many people are they going to get? Even if they if it was, you know, limited, you know, people being able to come into the stadium. I mean, let's say they allowed 10,000 people. Is Detroit even going to get 10,000 people? They're going to be 10,000 people that can even afford to go to a game where prices are already through the roof. So that's going to be very interesting. Well, I think they're going to have to slash prices. I don't think that mm-hmm. like even teams like the Cubs and the Red Sox and the Yankees are not going to get away with charging the rates that they've charged in years past for the tickets that they have. I, I just, I just don't see it. I, I will say that, but you know, the rooftops were open in Wrigleyville this season those tickets were about eighty dollars uh, per game for an average game for an, and that's all inclusive, right? The rooftop experience includes your drink, it includes your food, and you're just watching the game outside from the rooftops. I I know a handful of people who went to watch those games. They did a decent job of keeping people separated and isolated and all of that stuff. But I just keep thinking about the following two moves that I just can't even handle, like the Indians DFA'd Brad Hand. So they wouldn't be on the hook for paying a $1 million buyout. And any team in the country could have picked Brad Hand up off waivers if they were willing to pay that man $10 million, which is a pretty good deal for the type of work he's been doing. And nobody did it. 
Not one team. You're telling me no team needs a Brad hand. I can name 15 teams off the top of my head that need a Brad hand. So that, that bodes poorly. But then you've got the St. Louis Cardinals, who aren't exactly like one of those teams that's really like pushing the envelope in terms of payroll anyway. And they don't have $12 million for Colton Wong, <laughs> which is crazy town. Like, I just don't even understand how you make that decision calculus at all. And so I wonder if Colton Wong is going to have to take an AAB under $12 million and Brad Hand gets DFA'd over a million dollar buyout and can't find a taker for a $10 million AAB right before the collective bargaining agreement comes due at the end of next offseason, this is going to be a real bad year to be a free agent. Nobody is going to sign you to a large contract. You're not getting three years. You're not getting five years. You're not, if you, if you got a qualifying offer, you might want to take it. Yeah. uh, I think only six people were even offered qualifying offers. If I'm correct. Uh, That sounds right. Yeah. Right. I got to agree with you on the hand thing. A thousand percent closers were a nightmare this year. A lot of closer problems all over baseball, but Colton Wong, I, I could at least make an argument about not picking up that option, but somebody else should, but I, I wouldn't do that. Colton Wong's great defenders. He won another gold glove, I believe, but mm, I don't know. I'm not a big I, fan. I think the Indians have found Brad Hand's replacement, but the Indians being a team that's competitive in the division, knowing that Lindor's a free agent after next year, and they want to have a bullpen that's going to be competitive and just letting Hand go just like that, that's, that's very, very interesting. And we'll see what happens. I don't know if he's going to – like, what would you say it was, Sarah? $10 million? Yeah. It was $10 million contract, but if they had if they had just waited and non-tendered him instead of DFAing him, mm. it would have been a $1 million buyout. So the DFA was them trying to, like, get somebody else to take that money. And nobody did, which is yeah, like, I, that's just crazy town to me. I just don't even understand. Man, what I agree with that completely. The, the Indians are a team that historically is not going to, you know, bring out the drink. Yeah, but every other team, that's the Yeah, exactly. The big thing is that no other team is like hopping on board with that. So I feel bad for them. <laughs> like you're telling me the Padres can't use Brad Hand? I'll take him back. They lost Kirby Yates. Yeah, that's true. That's another guy. I mean, Padres have been very aggressive with their moves at the trade deadline and all that. You're right. So. Yes, I think we're all in for a nightmare, but I don't know if I got the answer. I feel like you guys kind of danced around. So do you guys think I'm overly paranoid about this? Bottom line, am I overly paranoid about, I'm talking like a short season, like 80 games or less again? I'm thinking this is all very real possibility. Is that crazy? Listen, talk? No, based on 2020 alone, on the current events, on everything from you know what my day looks like to what has happened in the world, no, I don't think you're being paranoid at all. I mean, crazier things have happened. Who yeah. the heck knows where we're at? Who knows? Right, I mean, but I can't I, predict it. You're right. That's, but it is plausible. I'm, uh, you understand that? That's absolutely. Good. I mean, it happened this year. You know, I mean, it, right. it, it, it's. And who would have ever thought that it would have happened? That that professional sports would have completely shut down. Nobody was doing anything for as long as they did. Who would have ever thought that? So yeah, absolutely, it's plausible. So I guess two things. The first is that I obviously don't know. I'm not a public health expert and I don't have access to any of that data. Of course. I, of course. I, I suppose that the pandemic, if the, I will say this, if the pandemic in March, April, February is exactly what it is right now. I got a news alert earlier today that there were 100,000 cases in the United States for the first time today. 100,000 cases in a day. Like we're day. Like, close to 1,000 people are dying in a day. Uh, yeah. If it's like that, 
I don't think that there will be sports. I think there would be a delay. I think there would be lots of restrictions and everything else. I don't think that that's a sustainable path for our country for the next six months. And so I just have to believe that something is going to intervene between now and baseball in 2021 that flips the switch on this COVID thing. And, you know, I don't know about anybody else. I was watching these games um, in Taiwan over the weekend. They They have a full stadium, no social distancing, people not wearing masks. That is a country that managed to get it together and get their coronavirus cases so low that they can just have normal sports like everybody else. There are fans or were fans, I guess I should say. There aren't there aren't now, but, but you know there were fans watching baseball in Korea. There were fans watching soccer in Europe. This was a uniquely American, like we couldn't get our stuff together problem. And so I have I have a hunch that there might be things that intervene uh, between now and say next spring training that get things together. Right? Mm-hmm. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Well. Yeah, obviously within those countries, they handled the pandemic a lot better, um, specifically within Taiwan and, and Korea, them mandating masks very early on, doing limited shutdowns. And people took it very serious. Obviously, the United States took a different path to that. And my hope is when we get towards January that there are some sustainable measures in place. The big question for me is, is Rob Manfred the right guy to make these decisions going into the season. Andy gives a great look over there because <laughs> you obviously don't think that he's going to have a plan set in place. And this is what Mike and I talked about last week is as they go into the winter meetings coming up next month and, you know, which sounds like those are going to be virtual. Like Manfred needs to get some sh- his shit in order now to be able to plan to have spring training, to be able to have minor league baseball. I'm not sure minor league baseball comes back next year. And if that doesn't happen, that's a real big problem for the major league baseball. Well, the winter meetings were definitely canceled, uh, so and I don't even know if they'll happen virtually, but they're definitely out. That's been confirmed. So bye-bye winter meetings, which shouldn't happen anyways. I think we all agree there, right? I mean, those have been canceled. Cubs convention has been canceled. I don't think any team is doing like a fan fest or anything like that yeah. this winter. We Couple call it Tiger Fest. Tiger Fest. <laughs> no one goes to that. Come on. No. Well, kids love it. Come on. <laughs> I haven't been there since Dave Bergman played for the Tigers. Well, you were a kid and you loved baseball. Yeah, that was 88. Yeah, a long time ago. Sorry. Oh, 88. We miss you. No. A couple, <laughs> a couple of things about Mr. Manfred and this season. The first is that I don't think Rob Manfred cares that much about baseball being played next season beyond whatever it means for the bottom line of the owner's group that he represents. He, he, he His job as he runs it, as he sees it, has nothing to do with being the steward of a sport, being the ambassador of a sport, making people like that sport, being a conduit to the players and fans. His job, as he sees it, is that he is an attorney for the owners of Major League Baseball teams, and he acts accordingly. So I don't think that his calculus has anything to do with anything other than what makes this owner group money. And the second thing I think Rob Manfred cares about is what sets the owners up to win the collective bargaining agreement negotiations after 2021. And so I think everything you see in terms of free agent contracts, whether people get signed at all, what the rules are, how, what rules stick will be geared towards that, which is why I feel relatively comfortable calling that there will be an extended postseason in 2021, Mm -hmm. even though people didn't like it because that was a huge amount of money to the owners. They got a lot of TV revenue out of that. 
And that's just never going away. From For the rest of time, we're going to have sub-500 teams in the playoffs, and we're all going to have to deal with it. Yeah, I mean, he already talked about how much he liked it, and he realizes the revenue that's going to come into half the league. Obviously, I've talked about many times before, I hate half the league making the playoffs. That's why I always love baseball is the fact you get six, you know, maybe seven teams if they extended it to one more team. But 16 teams, that's just outrageous. But, I mean, Manfred's on board with that, and I think the owners are on board with that as well. So we'll see. Maybe we should move on. Should we move on to the Cub talk? Oh, we'll talk about Michael? the Cub. Yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> well, we only got like an hour. I don't. I don't. I, don't wanna, I understand. I don't Do you think I don't know here. what time it is? I'm the master host. <laughs> I am the master of ceremonies. You're listening to the Plaza Podcast, and yes, we're going to talk about the Cubs here. But first, we do have to talk about the Justin Turner thing because it was a newsworthy moment. I kind of want. I just want to talk playoffs real quick. I know that the Cubs didn't get. You know, they got the short end of the stick in their uh, effort. The Marlins swept them out 2-0. Uh, your hitting is awful. I'm sure you guys will just. Agree on that. You know, you know, the hitting speaks for itself. It just wasn't there. But Darvish got outdueled, and it didn't work out. But the playoffs were fun overall, even though there was some teams that stunk in there. I enjoyed the whole playoffs. Uh, the Justin Turner thing, let's talk about all that. Let's just kind of uh, give me your thoughts on that, Sarah. Let's let's hear what you got to say on that. <laughs> a lot to say about the Justin Turner thing. Before I do that, <laughs> since you yada yada the Cubs' very dismal playoff performance, <laughs> I do just want to say one thing there, which is it's impossible to win baseball games when you score one run in 18 innings. And neither you Darvish nor Kyle Hendricks threw poorly. They just needed more than one run in 18 innings to win. So the Cubs did that one to themselves, and it was sad. And I'm still not over it, but I'll be, I'll be okay. 2016 will go a long way towards making me okay um, for a long time. The Justin okay, Turner right, thing okay. was – Wait, 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 wait. Okay. Okay. I want to get Andy's take on that real quick, and then we'll go into Justin Turner. We'll come right back to you. Andy? I was going to say – I mean, does that say everything? Listen, I know she's got a lot to say about the Justin Turner thing, so I'm like, can I can I just say <laughs> – can, can I just say something before she goes off on that? Um, yeah. There is – listen, when she's done with that, there's going to be nothing that I'll be able to add that she hasn't already said. <laughs> okay. Great. Awesome. No, I would just – yeah, I would just say that the, the – uh, Playoffs, wow. I, yeah, it was it was rough. I, I definitely use 2016 as a crutch these days. Um, because there's just yeah, I mean it, it was it was it was bad. And you know, we had so much hope. We had really a nice last couple weeks of the season where I listened you know, to your episode uh previewing was, it. I did. Listen, like, it wow, is, you guys were fired up. You guys were talking about the next round. Listen, and and we were definitely in a spot where we just needed some joy in our life. And if we had to create it by made up scenarios, then that's what we were doing. So <laughs> that's what I've been doing for seven months, just making scenarios. Thank you. Where I had so to be happy. When people go back and listen to those episodes, we're going to need to put disclaimers on all those that remember this happened during the end during a pandemic. So cut us some slack. We're trying to find ways to be happy, and that's what we did. So yes, we were very optimistic. We were very. Um, you know, feeling very good because like I said, they had a really good couple last weeks of the season. You felt like their offense was clicking in a little bit. They had some, some guys um, that got added to the team late that were showing up and, and doing things that we, you know, were excited about them doing, you know, some of the base running was just former you know, tiger Cameron Maven. I mean, it was, it was awesome to watch, you know, some of the opportunities that were there that were, that they were capitalizing on people that hadn't been playing well, started playing well. You just felt like they were riding a really good wave into the playoffs and then nothing. So 
it was, yeah, it was rough. It was definitely not what we expected. And like I said, you know, when we were discussing before the episode, it was definitely something that just kind of piled up on everything else that had happened this year and not more speaking personally. It was just another thing that I was like, not ready to, you know, face the end of. And not to sound dramatic or anything, but it's like when you have a point in your life when you have something actually positive and makes you happy and you look forward to it when you're not allowed to leave the house for anything, um, you know, it was it was nice to have that. So to have it end so abruptly and just be done and just be like, oh, well, this is what you'll have to be happy with was kind of BS. I almost cussed. Oh, my gosh. I'm not even drinking. I almost cussed. It was kind of BS. I know. I don't, I just don't do it. You're okay. You're classy. Sorry. <laughs> I, I, my kids listen, you know, so um, <laughs> I love, not that oh, they don't man. hear me cuss at home, but uh, you know, it, it's <laughs> different when you're cussing on a podcast, but yeah, it was, it was just total BS. We felt, I felt completely let down and it was like all of that joy and happiness and excitement leading up those last two couple weeks of the season when we were feeling good, just completely ripped away from me. So yeah, it was, it was definitely rough, rough. It was not, you know, the Marlins. I mean, the Marlins. <laughs> Come on. It's always uh, the Marlins, isn't it? Oh, God. Well, I, like right. I, 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 said, I said it at the start of the playoffs. What sucks is that it was a three-game series for everybody, and that just doesn't help out a team like the Cubs. I think you need a five-game series. You're the division winner. You have home field, but home field doesn't mean anything at all when there's no fans there and obviously Wrigley field is packed and that helps things out a lot. And like you said, I mean, Cubs got off to a great start, fell apart a little bit through the season, but were able to coast to the division and then got things together the last couple of weeks. And then just fell apart. So I, I understand your frustration, but like you said, you have 2016 and you're going to carry that for the rest of your life. I want to say this too, because if you remember mother nature was even a little bit on our side because they pushed our Friday game to Saturday. So our pitchers even had another day off. Like, Mm -hmm. ah, (laughs) everything (laughs) that could have helped us do anything in this series did. And so, you know, it was just, it was, it was, yeah, it was not our, it was not our postseason this year, but again, Thank I'm you, sorry. 2016. I'm sorry, Andy. I am. I, that was a very honest assessment, emotional, and I appreciate your candor. I do. And I, I felt like that in my time. I'm like getting all tigers. Hot. I'm like hot right now. I'm, I'm yeah. angry. I'm it's angry. Right. We're going to talk about Justin Turner now. That's not going to get I know. I'm only going to get more worked up. So I bet. Yes, you're getting redder. I feel like uh, you're flush. Uh, okay, so Sarah, <laughs> yes. Uh, by the way, 2012 Tigers four game sweep of the World Series. We know how it feels. So, yeah, we understand Uh, the Giants. That was awful. Sarah, Justin Turner got to the World Series after they were down three one to the Braves. That was a tremendous comeback for the Dodgers. So they made the World Series and then Justin Turner became a World Series champion. And then he found out he had COVID before he technically was a World Series champion, decided to come back on the field, celebrate with his team. Apparently, the teammates were all for it, according to the teammates. And uh, he was positive with COVID. So tell me, give us your breakdown. Let's just hear it all. Tell us what a scumbag Justin Turner is. I'm not going to pass judgment on his character, but I will say this. that Oh, darn. The virus, <laughs> the virus does not care that Justin Turner's teammates were fine with him being out there. And the virus does not care that Justin Turner just won a World Series. And the virus doesn't care how many years Justin Turner worked to win a World Series. So... 
I mean, I, I understand it. Like we have all been living through seven months of dystopian pandemic terror, right? Like I have friends who have canceled, postponed and or had weddings that were super small that were meant to be like huge destination affairs. I have people that I work with from my day job who are first generation college students and first generation um, high school graduates who didn't get graduation parties. And all of those people worked incredibly hard for that moment that meant everything to them and to their family. And you know what they did? They sucked it up, they did it over Zoom, and they didn't have a party. And you know why they did that? <laughs> because they care about the other people around them and they don't want people to get sick with a virus whose long-term effects we don't even know yet. So I'd like to remind everybody that like this isn't a thing where it's like because you're an athlete, you definitely get a mild case and you're super fine. I made the mistake of drafting Eduardo Rodriguez for my fantasy team because oh, I yeah. thought Eduardo Rodriguez, healthy athlete type, he's going to get over COVID and he's going to come back and he's going to be throwing his fastball like he always did. And he's going to get a bunch of strikeouts. Eduardo Rodriguez has been dealing with myocarditis and may never pitch again, depending on the amount of damage that the coronavirus did to his heart. And this is because we don't know what this virus actually does and we don't know what the long-term effects of it are. There's all sorts of weird symptoms out there. So some people get a cold and some people lose limbs because of clotting disorders in their legs or arms. I and mean, this is not something to mess around with. And so look, I'm sure Justin Turner's teammates wanted him to be there. <laughs> I'm sure Justin Turner really wanted to have that moment as a World Series champion. But now is not the time. And you were put in isolation because you were a danger to every other person on the field. And can we just pause for one second and reflect on the moment where he comes out and he's wearing a mask and he's going to be in like the team photo with the mask on. And he's seated right next to his manager, Dave Roberts, who is a cancer survivor. Yep. And he just pulls the mask off because what? I guess that like masks don't look good in World Series pictures. Mm -hmm. And they're all smiles. They're all celebrating. They're all having a great time. And Justin Turner is literally a danger to every person on that field. And, and this is the last thing I'll say, and then I'll turn this over to other people. But it, it doesn't matter that the Dodgers wanted him to be there because there were a lot of people on that field who didn't get a say in this, right? So one, I, I'm fairly certain the Dodgers didn't like hold a vote. There's just a couple of them who have been outspoken about it. Mm -hmm. But the grounds crew didn't have a say as to whether they were around Justin Turner. The media didn't have a say as to whether they were around Justin Turner. The photographers, the camera people, the intern who's like bringing coffee to the camera people, like all of those people had to be there and they were exposed to. So it's the height of selfishness. It is precisely why we're having a conversation about whether or not sports will be canceled again in 2021 because we can't trust 40% of the population to put a mask on and end the pandemic because they're worried about their photos and their moment and they're this and they're that. So congratulations, Justin Turner, who are America. <laughs> well said. <laughs> Excellent. Couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, this is a very serious deal and people have lost people. People have not been able to go to their own loved one's funerals because of COVID. I know personally people, a guy couldn't go to his grandma's funeral because of COVID. So you didn't think they wanted to go? So yeah, you said it all. Well, said Justin Turner, you know, we'll see what happens with him. He's a free agent. He's 35 years old. And uh, I don't know what'll happen to him in 2021. Yeah. I, I just have to add one little tiny thing, which is, you know, the how it started, how it's going meme that's like all over yeah. Twitter and Instagram these days. 
So I thought of one, but a little bit too late to actually ride the news cycle. So I'm just going to share it here so that your listeners will know about it. But at the start of the baseball season, I don't know if people remember this. It was the first game. It was like the Yankees, big deal. They were trying to be all celebratory. Rob Manfred comes out for an interview. And as he's in the middle of his interview, the lightning strikes, the heavens pour out rain, and the game ends up getting called in the middle of it. And there's this great picture of Rob Manfred looking like Emperor Palpatine. And this, the lightning <laughs> bolt is like right behind him. And I just wanted to be like, how it started, Emperor Ran- Rob Manfred Palpatine, how it's going, <laughs> Justin Turner rips off the mask during the World Series celebration. <laughs> That's great. That's Beautiful. You should still post that. That's completely relevant. I it's a little no late, though. No, it's, no, 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 it's no, never no, too late. Never too late. If it's funny, it's funny. Trust me. Uh, <laughs> wow. Okay. So, yes, Justin Turner. Come on, man. Do better. Overall, though, uh, quickly, the I know your Cubs lost, but did you guys enjoy I mean, Andy alluded to it. You kind of enjoyed the playoffs, right? You watched the playoffs, or did you kind of check out? You couldn't handle baseball? But I watched them. Yeah, okay. I know you did because I think you tweeted a lot about it. I think uh, Andy Andy's, just went to bed. <laughs> yeah, Andy, I'm not so sure because I didn't see as many tweets or passion about the playoffs. It kind of seems like your soul was kind of... I took a much-needed break from Twitter. Not social media. I should have taken it from all social media. But I took a much-needed break from Twitter. Um, I did not really watch a whole lot of baseball. I watched, I would say, maybe a total of um, maybe six or seven innings total between all the rest of the games. Um, I definitely turned it when I knew that they were going to win because uh, I just didn't want to watch. I really do love Mookie Betts and I'm happy for him. And I'm um, happy that he is definitely getting the attention that he deserves because he is definitely special and he is going to be um, the face of what makes kids want to play baseball. I mean, to be quite honest, he is, the face of of what baseball should be going forward so i'm very happy for him i just don't like the dodgers i just don't and justin turner just kind of um you know reminded me of why i don't like them i feel like they uh, they are very entitled and i don't know maybe that's not the right word um but i i feel like that was he just kind of thought you know i just want a world series and who gives a crap about you know this this will be it'll be fine everything will be fine it'll be fine you know yeah. And the thing that bothers me the most, I think, about the whole situation is that the people that he endangered, like Sarah was saying, you know, the the media, the field crew, um, Major League Baseball employees that were on the field trying to set up the ceremony and all that good stuff. How many of them do you think actually knew that he had tested positive? Ooh, like yeah. how many of them actually knew that he should not have been on the field? Because there was something that was put out saying that. Um, a major league baseball employee that knew he had tested positive and knew that he was supposed to be isolated had said something to him, asked him to leave the field. And he, Mm -hmm. I don't remember what the adjective was, but he refused. He basically said, absolutely not. I will not leave. So the thing that pisses me off the most about that is the fact that not only did you do it after you had been in the locker room tweeting that you feel fine and you don't have any symptoms and you're really sad you can't be out there with your team, you actually posted that tweet and then decided it was a good idea to still join your team out on the field. So people at home knew he's on the field with COVID, but did the people he was actually endangering know that he was on the field with COVID? So that part really pisses me off. It's just another reason why I don't like the Dodgers. And yes, I will blame the whole damn team for his actions because I think that they probably could have done more to keep him off the field. 
um, than what they did. So yes, I, I, that whole thing was just made me very irate. Um, yeah. And it was a purple, perfect example from like beginning of the game to the end of the game of the state of America, you know, what people actually value <laughs> and what's important to people. And it's not, it's not the person next to you who survived cancer, but it's your being involved. Your FOMO basically is what it is. That's what, that's what it's about. Speaking of people who survived cancer, uh, did you guys partake in John Lester's farewell beers? I know you don't live there. So I actually, Sarah, did you, uh, <laughs> so, I don't go to I don't go to bars anymore. I haven't been to a bar since the pandemic started. I actually haven't yeah. been to a restaurant since the pandemic started. Neither I've gotten I. I've gotten like delivery, but I haven't actually gone anywhere and sat out and ate at a different place. Um, I've seen like four people, and it's always like we will meet outside and we will walk around and be apart from each other. It's like kind of weird. Um, so, no, I did not partake of Lester's beers, but I thought that that was a nice gesture. And I, I saw a couple of people kind of ranting about like, oh, yeah, encourage people to go to bars in the middle of a pandemic. And look, I, I get it. Like, that's probably not the best move ever, but it was a classy thing to do. I hope that on the long list of things that the Cubs need to do this offseason, one of them is to figure out some sort of one year deal for John Lester to come back. I, I don't think that the 2021 Cubs are going to be a like hyper content contendery type team anyway you might as well do well by your people Theo and Jed are both well known as a front office that plays straight with their players really levels with them people like playing for them there's a reason that players who have worked with them in the past tend to sign free agent deals with them and work with them in the future um bring John Lester back for one year let the fans give him the show off that he the send off that he deserves he's probably the greatest free agent signing in Cubs history I just just to add on to that, because we've talked about this before, if this were to happen, because obviously we've not gotten a chance to talk about it since it's happened. But um, he's somebody that I believe has changed the whole climate of, of Chicago Cubs baseball since he's been with, you know, with the team. He's somebody that has really set standards on leadership in that locker room, that clubhouse and, you know, somebody that has um, really made an impact on every level of player that you've kind of seen come through. And you, you hear people talk about what a great teammate he is. And it's just evident, you know, on, on what he means to the Chicago Cubs. And I think you would have a lot of, not that we're not angry anyways, because of the lack of things that you do or the lack of things that you tell us, but you would have a lot of very upset Chicago Cubs fans. If, if John Lester isn't able to have a proper send off, in a Chicago Cubs uniform at Wrigley Field. And I think you you just have to make that happen. And, you know, just from what I've seen from him, um, you kind of feel like it's definitely on the table for him. Like it's something that he would consider. So, um, and I'm totally speculating. Obviously, I've seen nothing of the sort. But, um, you know, he's, you know, he's an emotional guy. He's somebody that has close ties with the manager, for one. Um, so, you know, for, for him to not have the payback of what he's given us as fans over the time that he's been with that team just doesn't seem right. Like there's just, there's unfinished business there. And I really hope they figure out a way to make it happen. And let's be honest, it's not like they would do much better for a number five starter out there. I mean, they already paid him the buyout. So you just tack on like a million dollars for a one-year deal or something that basically gets him like $6 million for this year. He can walk up. He, that's, totally reasonable for where he's at at this point in his career. And then you stack the top of the rotation 
with your other player with your other people. Yeah, I could see that. John Lester spent what up forty seven thousand dollars. A lot of people came out for those beers. Is that what it was? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was a nice chunk Miller of Miller White too. Yeah, he oh, loves God. Miller. Oh no! I mean, yeah, he, <laughs> it was his choice. So yeah, I don't. Maybe he's trying to keep it cheap. I don't know. It would have got a little more expensive if it was like a eight percent IPA or something. So probably not a good <laughs> idea to go that route. Smart man, John. I commend you. I think it's a cool thing to do. But yeah, let's talk about the Cubs. So you know, your GM. And correct, maybe you know more about this. Maybe Sarah has an inside scoop about your GM interviewed for the Angels opening, right? Yes. So it would be a big loss if he left or? I don't think Jason McLeod's going to the Angels. I think that he's interviewing to see what options are out there. And I, I could be wrong. I am. Um, my hunch is this is the last year of Theo's contract. Um, yeah. And the word in Chicago is that that position has basically then set up for Jed Hoyer to step into when Theo steps out of it, which means that the next president of baseball operations for the Cubs would be Jed Hoyer. I imagine that Jason McLeod would step into Hoyer's position or whatever position he wants, frankly. So I, it's possible. I just think that the Epstein, Hoyer, McLeod crew has been together for a while now. And so I, I'm not totally convinced he's going to go try his luck with the angels. I think it was one of those situations where he was probably interviewing for something to see what happens more than looking. I mean, I don't know, like they could hire him. I would hire him. That's great. I just, I'm, I'm not super worried about that. I do think it's also interesting because the Cubs front office team is basically going to look different in a year, pretty much no matter what. I mean, there's no expectation that Theo Epstein is going to sign another contract extension. So somebody new is coming in and whether that person is Jed Hoyer, as most people believe, or whether that person is somebody else with a fresh set of eyes for the organization will be a really interesting storyline for 2021. Hmm. Okay. Well, I mean, Mike Trout is always very tantalizing, but you're right. You got people you've been working with for a while. You got to stick with the crew, you know, ride or die is what I say. So I will say this. What are we looking at for offseason moves here? Who's in trouble? Who could actually be traded? Javi Baez uh, won a gold glove. Congratulations, Javi. Won a gold glove. That's nice, right? But is he going to get access to his video too next year? I mean, there's so many questions with this cup. (laughs) Is in-game video going to return in 2021? Because guys like J.D. Martinez and Javi Baez were two of the biggest names I can think of that suffered the most from that. And... Will there be moves here that actually breaks up some of this 2016 crew that remains? So the problem with breaking up the 2016 crew is not that they haven't thought about it before. I think they have. Um, The problem is that nobody's ever met the offers that Theo has in mind for those players. So it's not like they wouldn't have moved Chris Bryant in years past for the right offer or Kyle Schwarber for the right offer. All-time low value on that one now. (laughs) So nobody was going to pay the price that Theo thought they were worse and worth. And he's not going to just sign and do a deal to make a deal. He's not interested in trading his talent without getting a return on it. Right. Um, so I think that that's exactly where the Cubs find themselves in 2021. And I just don't know what type of moves they're going to be able to. Make. I think that Anthony Rizzo is relatively secure. I'd like to see him get an extension and retire as the Cubs. He's basically this generation, Mr. Cub. And that is not a slight to Ernie Banks. That is a credit to Anthony Rizzo. It's a tribute. Uh, the, and then you start to move into who could you actually trade. The person with the highest trade value is probably Wilson Contreras, and I don't think they're going to trade him. I think that 
Wilson Contreras went from being one of the worst framers in Major League Baseball to one of the best framers in Major League Baseball. And he is an asset to that club in terms of how he prepares pitchers, in terms of how he approaches the game. He's possibly he's one of the top three hitting catchers in baseball. So I don't know that I would say he's the best hitting catcher in baseball right now, but he has that potential and you just can't let that walk. So he's then he's Gary Sanchez for sure in all aspects now. He's he's been better than Gary Sanchez for multiple years. I just don't know why people didn't agree with me on this. Um, <laughs> I will not name names because that would make the show really long. The oh wow, but so who are you going to trade? Right? Like I I don't think that I think that the city might riot if Javi Baez was traded. I don't think the city would riot if Chris Bryant was traded. But I don't think that anybody's going to meet that cost. Ditto Kyle Schwarber. And they probably Ooh, don't want to Torino. trade. Ian Happ is the only other player with like substantial amounts of trade value, and they're not going to trade him, in my opinion. They should. I think they sh- that would be a great move, actually. But, you know, trade him while it's high, get some pitching in return. Just my opinion. But I'll also love me some Ian Happ, so I'd love to see the Tigers have Ian Happ on board. Uh, Andy, what do you think? Is there moves or people you'd like to see go even that, you know, <laughs> it might be a little difficult, but maybe it's time to say goodbye, you know? Oh my goodness! Why do you ask me that question? Um, because, hey, you're a I, tough nut to crack. I know you're a hard-edged <laughs> woman, so you can handle it. I um, Javier Baez is going nowhere. If I have yeah. to personally drive my tablet to him and give him his video, <laughs> that will happen. Javier Baez goes nowhere, um, and he's probably getting a gold glove tattoo as we speak, which makes me love him even more. Um, Oh, and the other thing I wanted to mention, this is episode 40. I almost interrupted you and said it's the Wilson Contreras episode. I'm all in on him. I was a little harsh on him coming into the season. Now I completely buy into him. He's a I top re- three catcher. I agree I with honestly, what Sarah said. I honestly do remember that. Um, I would say if you're going to make me say somebody that I could see being shopped at the very least, I don't know if he'll be moved, but I could see him being shopped. I would guess somebody like Kyle Schwarber would be shopped. Um, my reason for that is basically since I, I don't know if it was 2017 or 2018, but when there was failure to produce in the playoffs, failure to, um, do anything offensively by a couple of the big bats that they had grown accustomed to seeing do something. And then there was nothing in playoffs. Um, from him at, at one of the one of the people I'm talking about, um, I really felt like that the end of the season, like um, whatever the the end of the year speeches that we get from Theo, he he definitely made mention of the fact that people that are not producing will be expected to produce or they'll be gone. I mean, I'm paraphrasing. Obviously, that's not what he yeah. said, but you know what I mean. He, he basically made it a point to say people that are not playing up to the level that they should be playing are are you know writing their ticket basically um off the team so i kind of feel like kyle schwarber will be shopped a little bit i don't feel like he has been as uh consistent productive you know he was somebody that everybody said yes give national league the dh he will be a shoe-in for the dh that just didn't happen that wasn't the way that the formula was set up this year he was not somebody that was put in the DH. He was, uh, I mean, solidly in left field. I don't know that that makes the best outfield. He's not been as bad as he was when he first started out there. But I just don't think that he's somebody that they want to continue to um, 
right out and see if the, if his value will ever be there. I just, I don't think, I think his time might be up. Um, I yeah. don't mean to sound harsh. I love Kyle Schwarber. When he hits the ball, he is so exciting to watch left field. He has been a joy to watch and prove. Um, he has been, he has made some great plays. He has a cannon out there and we've watched him throw out some guys at second that, you know, not a whole lot of left fielders would do playing balls off the wall and then throwing them out with a bare hand grab of the ball. I mean, just amazing. So I don't want to see him go. I would love to see him do what they expect him to do in the lineup, but I feel like he's one that they were kind of talking to when they made that comment. So, you know, we shall see, but that's, that's kind of one that stands out to me as somebody that they were speaking about when they said, if you're not going to produce to the level that we're expecting you to, not going to be the player that we need you to be, then you're probably um, not going to be around. You're going to have to find other options. Well, Andy, Sarah, I think you'd both agree with me that the Cubs are one of the teams that being only a 60 game season just did not benefit them because there's no way over 162 games that Anthony Rizzo's batting 222. There's no way that Kyle Schwarber's batting 188. So in 60 games, like the value of so many of these players have dropped, but I think that's just value based on what happened in this past season. Their perceived value, what we see them as normal players in the last few years is much higher than that. And I think if we had 162 game season, I think a lot of these guys would have gotten their shit together basically over over time maybe not Chris Bryant because he, he again had another down season which I kind of predicted but a guy like Schwarber there's no way he would have batted as low of an average he was doing a great job walking um Anthony Rizzo batting 222 is absolutely ridiculous so I I think them only having 60 games really really hurt the value of a lot of these players and I'm kind of on board with you that there's not really too many moves that they could make with, with contracts they have right now in terms of moving anybody right now. I mean, that's the thing, right? So Chris Bryant is going to make 15 to $20 million in arbitration. Nobody is picking up the current Chris Bryant for 15 to $20 million in arbitration. Like they're just not. And so it's going to be the best case scenario for this front office is that baseball starts as scheduled next year. And a couple of these guys who ever have deals that are about to expire get off to a wicked hot start as the team is not competitive, which becomes kind of a crapshoot with the whole expanded playoff thing. And you flip those contracts into longer term deals for the future. That's a really hard needle to thread. Theo's done it before, but I think it's really difficult to do next season in particular, given the financial state that teams are in and the upcoming CBA negotiations, which I'm sorry, I keep bringing that up, but like that is the entire backdrop for next season. It's the story you have to understand. If you don't understand that story, take the off season, read Lords of the realm, read a well-paid slave, like immerse yourself in some baseball labor history, because that is what you need to know for next off season. And it's going to color a lot of moves that get made, don't get made, who gets hired and why. So I think that they just don't have a great negotiating position right now. One player who I didn't mention before, who I think could be a trade chip, who I I would be interested in seeing what the return would be is Victor Caratini. The Cubs are unique in that they have two extremely talented, good hitting catchers. Caratini is not anywhere near the hitting catcher that Wilson Contreras is. I think Wilson Contreras has MVP type numbers in his bat. Caratini does not. But Caratini is a switch hitting catcher. He works awesome with the staff. He's Hugh Darvish's personal catcher for a reason. And the Cubs have Miguel Amaya sitting in 
well, I guess South Bend now. We don't call it AAA. Like, whatever their taxi squad situation is. But, um, you know, that's that, a whole other issue, by the way. The minor leagues. What's going to happen there? We didn't have a minor league season, right? Well, I don't, I think that, and I meant to mention this earlier when we were talking about Manfred. I, I don't think the minor leagues are ever coming back. I think the minor leagues as we know them have basically been eviscerated by the pandemic baseball season. And what you see in the future might be called single A, double A, and triple A, but it's going to look radically different than what we used to have. It's going to have a fraction of the number of teams. And those players are going to be negotiated into basically trying their hand out at independent ball leagues prior to getting drafted into clubs, except for all but maybe the top like 10 rounds worth of drafty picks. I don't think we're going to see 40 rounds of drafts anymore. I think that, um, you know, a lot of people in leadership positions wait for crises in order to test out radical restructuring that they've wanted to do for a long time. And we all knew that Rob Manfred wanted to kneecap the minor leagues before the pandemic hit. So this is just an opportunity for them. You are so wow. Right. I just love it. That was the most painful thing I heard on this. Yeah, whole podcast. I, I just cried. You know, I, I, I think right. the Cubs are in a similar position of what the 2014 Tigers were in. And that is they're a team that's very competitive, that spent money, have some big contracts. But what I think the Cubs can do differently than what the Tigers did is they can rebuild while still staying competitive. It's something the Tigers did not do. The Tigers kept spending and actually ended up getting worse. I think that what the Cubs are in a position to do is actually unload some of their some of their assets, still be able to rebuild and stay competitive at the same time. Do you see that with the Cubs? Are they still going to be able to be competitive if they are kind of slowly rebuilding over these next couple of years? Um, I'm going to go ahead. I want to chime in on this because I think this is very interesting. If you've watched the central division at all, um, how people, other teams have countered what the Cubs have done or what the Cubs have now. Um, I think that it'll be very interesting to watch what happens. I feel like other teams in the division feel like, they know that our hands are kind of tied. So they're not going to be as quick to make big moves. I think the Cardinals might be in play to make a lot of big moves because you watch them walk away from a couple of their mainstays, which is crazy to me, but they want to be competitive again. So I think it will be um, very interesting for the Cubs to see what they actually do while staying competitive. But yes, I do agree that as long as nobody in the division is signing any massive contracts, which I Obviously, I don't think anybody is in that situation. The Cardinals would be the only crazy ones that would try to do a couple things like that to be better than the Cubs because that is kind of how they measure themselves. I mean, I, I don't want to sound like any which way, but I mean, they do. They cannot stand losing to the Cubs or falling below the Cubs or whatever else, you know, not making the playoffs behind the Cubs, whatever, Um which, you know, obviously this year, everybody made the playoffs, so it didn't matter. But um, the entire division made the playoffs except for the Pirates. Um, so oh. <laughs> I know. Sorry, Pirates. Um, but to me, it'll just be very interesting because it's always with us. We always have to have that conversation on what the other teams in the division are doing because you feel like they're always countering what we have happening. So we assign somebody, then Milwaukee signs somebody, or Milwaukee signs somebody, then you know what I mean? So it, it's a constant shuffle. So I think if you don't see other teams in the division do anything too crazy, yeah, the Cubs can definitely still be competitive. All they have to do is win the division. If the playoffs look the same they did this year, they only they 
come in second in the division. So if nobody is really doing anything too crazy, then yeah, definitely. The Cubs can definitely make some moves and still stay competitive, especially, you know, how the season went this year. You have guys that underperformed by a long shot and some guys that pulled up big that were totally unexpected. So imagine a year where your guys actually perform the way that they're supposed to, even a couple of them, even two of them, if you get rid of, you know, a couple more of them, then you're looking at still being able to play some one or two of the division and essentially making the playoffs. So, yeah, I mean, it'll be very interesting to watch. It's, it's totally doable if you're getting normal performances out of your top guys. Yeah. You know, as uh, we uh, have to wrap up here, we're getting towards that time. I can't believe we've already been talking this long. Man, there's so many more things I could talk about. Um, it's a four-team division, minus the Pirates, unfortunately. But those four <laughs> teams could all make the playoffs. It's, it's probably the, the most competitive division I can think of. So, even I mean, the NL East is tough, but the NL Central is very difficult. And if we have the pod thing going again, you know, the good news is that hopefully you can beat up on some of these lesser thans, including the Tigers, who... By the way, have a new manager, AJ Hinch. We've signed a guy who we didn't even get a chance to talk about this, dearie. And uh, no, I'm, we did I'm, not. I'm actually excited about it. As, I don't. As am I. Him, oh, good. I don't consider him to be a bad guy. Uh, you know, he was the manager of the Cheaters, right? But he he uh, came off very well when he interviewed with the <laughs> local radio station. Um, he took ownership. Uh, he he said, you know, this is something of my past. Uh, it has nothing to do with this team that I'm coming in to manage. I, I agree that he deserves a second chance. I actually, he was the guy that I wanted. Um, I wanted him a little bit more than Cora. Um, we'll see if he brings in uh, some of his cronies with him. I, I, I don't think you will. I don't think Beltran and Cora come in with him. But, uh, you know, it's it, it's something that the Tigers actually need. He's got a track record with the Tigers, played for the Tigers back in the day. I think it's a good hire for the Tigers. Um Sarah uh, was mimicking uh, the, the the banging of the trash can, which uh, is great. The, the good news is, is no one's going to care because the Tigers are not competitive, so it's not going to matter. No one's going to be talking about this once opening day comes next year, and the only people are going to care about it is people in Detroit. So uh, good hire, yeah. Detroit. Can we talk about the fact that the White Sox could have hired AJ Hinch and yeah, decided to hire Tony La Russa instead, which is absolutely positively without a doubt, the most mind-boggling hire in, like, the, the worst last match. 10 years. Continue. Worst Conti match. Sarah, continue. I need to hear more about the this. The worst I, match. He doesn't match I, their line, their roster at all. The White Sox are, like, and I say this as a Cubs fan, like, I'm not from Chicago originally, so I don't have the whole, like, Chicago White Sox are the enemy type of thing going on. But, like, the White Sox are fun because mm -hmm. they have players like Tim Anderson and Eloy Jimenez and Luis Robert, like, hitting bombs and flipping bats to the moon. And yep. you've got Tony La Russa who talks about how he'll, he's, he's going to look and see if their backlits are sincere before <laughs> he makes any judgments. And I'm like, buddy, nobody cares what you think about people's sincerity with their backflips. And this is why you shouldn't have this job. I just, the White Sox, this is the dumbest thing. And I just can't believe they did it. And I feel bad for Eloy because I still love Eloy. He's always going to be a cub to me. And it's just awful. Well, it's it's a team on the rise who I think is going to be pretty competitive over the next half decade. And it's similar to the two candidates we had for president. You're bringing in the oldest guy you can find who's going to maybe last two, three years. Come on now. Okay, I have to say something. So obviously living in St. Louis, I got a whole lot of Tony La Russa. A lot, a lot of Tony La Russa. Uh, still get Tony La Russa shoved down your throat in the city. So 
Um, I will say that watching him manage players like Albert Pujols and a young Yadier Molina definitely remind me of the kind of players that he's going to be managing with the White Sox. However, <laughs> that was like a decade ago. Like, Tony, yeah. you are old, dude. Like, like this is, I don't know. I'm, I don't feel good about this. Cause I feel like, I don't know. Like, can you handle this? Like, I, I feel like, I don't know. I don't know. Like my husband. <laughs> he was born I, during world war two. Come on. I, I mean, my husband, so my husband is a Cardinals fan, obviously, but my husband's reaction to this was the best. <laughs> like, I called him. I called him. And I was like, you're never going to believe who the white Sox hired as their manager. And, uh, and he's just kind of sat there and he's like, okay, who like, just tell me. And I was like, Tony La Russa. And he's like, I can't even say what he said, but he said something very loud and obnoxious. And he was like, are they crazy? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just not, it's not smart. It's just not smart. I mean, it doesn't make sense. no, it doesn't. It doesn't. And like I said, all I can think about is him managing a young Albert Pujols and a young Yadier Molina. And like, that would be the same style, but he was a much younger man then. And times have changed and these kids are kids and he is not a kid or <laughs> <laughs> he's not a kid he's an old man he's 76 the oldest manager to ever win a world series was jack mckeon with the marlins who was seven was a one year one year deal where he stepped in was, yeah he stepped in he didn't even manage the whole year so yeah. we'll see what happens but i think this is just as we all know i'm sure you know living in chicago series it's been talked about this is an old debt that reinsdorf had to square away and fix an old issue because he was never should have let Larusa go in the 80s i mean if that's really the case <laughs> this is insane that's even more insane if it's yeah, the guy goes on win three world series with two squads oh, uh, oh, 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 miss you <laughs> i mean i just like look it's nice that reinsdorf is like being good to his friends or whatever but you didn't need to do that to tim anderson that's not cool no. tim anderson does not deserve this also I don't need Tony LaRusso in Chicago. And he, like, that's, that's not cool either. And frankly, and the last thing I'll say here, what exactly does Rick Renteria have to do to get to see a rebuild through to the time where you win? <laughs> yeah. Like what if he yeah. didn't do anything wrong? He's not a bad manager. Guy. He just keeps getting let go because the club's like, okay, we can win now. Bye. I just, Rick Renteria is a good manager. And I hope that someday he beats Tony LaRusso in the ALCS. <laughs> That is a perfect spot to leave it. We're going to wrap up the Palazzo podcast. It's been so much fun. Gosh, we didn't even get to like uh, breaking down the preseason predictions. I, you know, Some of these are so absurd. This is my fault. I set the barometer. I said, hey, does Javi Baez hit 280 or better? Eh. Hey, top, Mr. Rizzo, Anthony Rizzo, top three MVP. Eh. Chris Bryant, OBP over 400. No. Oh, my Hold God. I, what was I thinking? What, bring up Darvish. I think Darvish may actually hit some of the predictions they had. Yeah, uh, Darvish seven wins. That was, I guess, a little more on the over-under. But I don't know. That's my fault. I don't know what I'm talking about. Let's hear it, guys. <laughs> please tell people where they can find you so that they can connect with the pod and talk baseball with you all season long. Sarah? Uh, we are at Cuppa Cubby Blue, and I am at BCB underscore Sarah. You can also find my writing at Bleed Cubby Blue. Awesome. And I, I am at... B-R-Y-Z underscore blue on Twitter. Do you have to think about it? I had to read it on my screen. Sarah always, always says it for me. I never say it. So I'm like, gosh, what does that say? <laughs> All right. It's been a pleasure with the Plazo Pod. Two L2Zs. Plazo Podcast on Twitter. Plazo Podcast at ProtonMail.com. You can find me and Chris Deary online on Twitter. We're there. Look for us. It's been a great, great 
pleasure talking to you guys about baseball, and we'll do it again soon. Bye. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.